This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Where they're celebrating spring with some uh, awesome ingredients for your spring recipes. And not only that, they have the recipes online, Court. Easily one of my favorite things about Zupans.com is the great recipes that uh, you can find there. They are constantly updating them. They've they've uh, created these recipes themselves oftentimes. And so there's great pictures, great presentation, great descriptions. We have this. There's a pasta one from a couple of years ago that is still a go to at least once once a month in my family. Thanks to Zupans. Well, the best part about that is the recipes have ingredients you just grab at Zupans. So you don't go somewhere and go, oh, I can't find this. They're all going to be there. Yep. And, and really special things from not only locally sourced uh, products, but around the world. Uh, I personally know because we've done inventories of what they have from Sicily and other parts of Italy. And it's incredible the, um, the, the work, the, the lengths that they go to to provide some of the best products from around the world. So um, that is fantastic. On top of that, they have really cool events where you can expand your food horizons. And I'm just going to, do you mind, Court, if I read off just a quick list of the April events? And some of them, by the time people will have listened to this, might have passed. But now you know to subscribe to the, the news feed at Zupans so you will know in yeah. the future what these are. By all means, uh, Chris, not, have at it. I'm not going to give specific dates. You can go on Zupans and look, but I'm just going to read off some of the things, the events that they have there that are really cool. You can sign up for a Namasake tasting. They have, I love this, Querciabella wine tasting. So uh, that is some, you know, that's Tuscany wine that you can you can try there and that employs vegan biodynamics. Go learn what that is. Uh, port and cheese Beer 101, this is Ales, Wilderton Botanical Tasting, and then Beer 101, the Beers of Germany, and then, again, this is going into later months, which you can still do, Beers of Belgium, and then Ales versus Kettle Sours. Those are things that I think a lot of people would like to do. It's a nice little pastime. What else are you doing other than maybe watching sports and getting out and hiking? All right. So many great reasons for you to stop by your local Zupans markets. Three locations to serve you. You've got West Burnside McAdam, Lake Oswego, and of course, biggest recommendation is to go where? Zupans.com. All right, here it is. Time once again. It is Portland's Food Scene Podcast right at the fork with your host, Chris Angeles from Portland Food Adventures. And I'm co-host, Court Johnson. Court, I know we were never going to talk about weather, but what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, I, when, this, like, this is the thing that never stops. It's not why I moved here. Right. Yeah, it's been, I think for everybody, it's just been one of those one of those years. I, I don't know if the stats say that it's the rainiest april on record but i think it's the rainiest april since like 72 right it's not uh, just the rain though it's the it could if it was raining in 65 70 degrees i wouldn't care as much but, but it's cold it's cold yeah. I, I boycotted going out for a while until the temperature is changed i can't go out i don't want to go out in windy cold rainy 42 degrees any longer with Kodak. He's bearing the brunt of this. He really wants to sure. go out. 
But yeah. I'm just not doing it until it gets warmer. So that may, you know, I threatened on Facebook to go to Spain, and that's what I'm going to do. So, All right. <laughs> although that was planned a long time ago, but sure, it's just a threat. So uh, I think it's, I think it's smart though, uh, kind of along that that train of thought. And I and this isn't new. People do this all the time. Is knowing that Portland weather is what it is, and by about this time, maybe earlier, maybe February, March, everybody's just sick of it. That's where oftentimes people go in and plan some tropical getaways. Well, somewhere um, along the way, you just need to have a break from it. However. There's two aspects to that for me. I moved from Connecticut mm. where the winters were just unbearable for me with the, sure. you know, and when I when I decided to move in 2004, 5 in January, I had I had already called the plow 19 times. So, that's not what we have here. However, you know, we're just not supposed to be getting 42 degree weather in, right into late April. It's not supposed to work like that, at least consistently. Get you know, right. we get so anyway. It yeah. is what it is. So I don't want to get emails like we did last week on uh, tipping. So I won't tip further <laughs> with the weather. The the weather, the complaining old man. Jeez, how did this happen? Eh. It's a natural evolution. Like you, eh. you just become you become that person or you're perceived as that person whether you are or not. I can perceive myself that way once in a while. So Sure. Yeah. All right. So listen, speaking of uh, getting away, just a couple of things. I got two trips that people may be interested in. One is in the middle of August, right at the cusp of the Perced Media Showers, out where there's no light pollution on the Snake River with Leif Gildersleeve and Eric England of flying fish, fishing with them, camping with them, glamping with them, uh, floating with them and hanging out uh, for four days. It's a great trip. And then secondly, in September, we have a little bit of room left to Eastern Sicily. Anybody watching The White Lotus and fell in love with uh, the, uh, the beauty of the area? Um, we'll not only enjoy the beauty, but we'll enjoy the food of Eastern Sicily in Termina, Noto, Ortigia, and Catania, and other places as well. Uh, and that's a great trip. It's the second time we've done this trip. It's the third time we've gone to Sicily. Um, both trips are at portlandfoodadventures.com. You can take a look, see see if anything interests you, and get in touch with me via email. The email form is right there on the website. Very nice. And, uh, you know, as we talk about getting away, it's very appropriate as we present this classic episode of Right at the Fork. Uh, a conversation about some place you can go while you're trying to get away. Right. Well, they just announced the uh, the restaurants that will be in the new terminal at PDX. Unfortunately, not till 2025. Right. But anybody who's been to PDX has seen that the, there's a lot going on there and something to look forward to at what is always rated as as if not the best airport in the usa one of the best and it's going to get even better and one of the reasons for that is the great selection of cool portland food in the terminals and one of them i think we can always say and in this podcast with brian deckert we talk about the fact that the country cat has been uh, rated by many as the best airport restaurant in the country and is in fact 
a lot of operators have flown into Portland to see what Country Cat is doing and how they do it. And so it looks like you and I, as we before we turned on the mics, we were discussing whether they were moving or they were adding a second location in the airport. I'm going to go with second location. There we go. That's one of the things is like I've been through that airport a lot the last little while, and I know they're putting a wood roof on top of it, but they're basically building around the existing terminals as opposed to doing what a lot of airports do, which is they build a whole new terminal across the way, and then they just move over there. They're they're doing some sort of magical construction thing. So I have no idea how it's all going to lay out, but the fact that Country Cat is currently there and is going to be there is awesome. Yeah, the reason I'm betting on a second location is why would you... They've done so well at that location. Why? Why? Uh, yeah. If it's not, if it's not broken. Don't fix it. So I yep. assume this would be the best if it's doing well. Open a second, but we could be wrong. We don't have Brian here. We could update later. But since this was a good episode with him and his his Portland background uh, at a lot of places, including uh, Pazzo, which was one of the key places. It's where Vitaly Paley got his start in right. Portland years ago. Um, and some other spots. Uh, Brian's a big music fan. Um, I've been watching him buy concert tickets across the country. I think he just went down to South by Southwest, is, you know, moving around. Brian's a cool guy, and he runs the Country Cat operation at the airport. And um, you got to give him a, a few high fives for that because um, they've done really well, and that's his gig. So... Brian Decker of Country Cat. I don't know if they still call it the Dinner House, but at any rate, the Country Cat at PDX. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers and local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland, West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. Ringside Steakhouse. For over 78 years, Ringside has been providing the best steaks and has been the home of the beacon of great hospitality in Portland. Make a reservation today at ringsidesteakhouse.com. And while you're there, sign up for their mailing list to be the first to find out about exciting specials and events going on at Portland's beloved Hallmark restaurant, Ringside Steakhouse. Portland Food Adventures. It's your opportunity to travel to the world's most celebrated food destinations with Right at the Fork host, Chris Angeles, and some of his favorite chef friends. Check out PortlandFoodAdventures.com for exciting and delicious itineraries to Spain, Italy, and elsewhere. Stay in great hotels, eat incredible food, and leave the planning to Portland Food Adventures. And by... In Oregon, flavor is not just about food, but about character, freshness, and sustaining this beautiful place. Our fishermen continue to work hard to bring that flavor to all families who care about good food and healthy eating. Oregon Dungeness Crab, the flavor of Oregon. Okay, we've got Brian here, and you are not at the airport. You're recording elsewhere, correct? Everywhere else. All right. And I like that little image behind us. What is that? That looks like a uh, the red balloon from the, except it's a heart balloon. 
Yeah, it's the Banksy. Um, it's a replica. Um, I, I have a condo over on the Columbia River on the Vancouver side, and it overlooks. I, I look at work from my balcony. Oh, you um, can see what's going on. I try to avoid that, but uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, when I moved into the spot, it had a huge wall, the wall that you're looking at, and nothing I own could fill that wall. So I, I ordered this bank seat to, to give it some some depth. Oh, nice. Well, I appreciate your joining us this morning. I understand also, I don't want to get into this right off the bat because I think it's gonna, it may turn some, loser, some losers, some um, listeners away because I understand you're a baseball fan. I was just checking in on my baseball news this morning. It's the trade deadline today. So let's, let's do that later. So maybe we'll just tell people if they're interested in uh, – Baseball, and you're a Red Sox fan, I believe? No, I'm a Mariner fan, but I'm making my first Coleman Bridge. Oh, that's what – oh, okay. So you're going to Fenway, and you're a Mariner fan. Yeah. Okay. I like baseball. Good, good. So – and you also – you also like Travelers now because Travelers um, are your patrons over at uh, PDX. PDX has gone through lots in the last couple of years, not only with the pandemic (laughs) – but they have, you know, it's expanded quite a bit. And, um, you know, you've been over there at Country Cat for how long now, Brian? Uh, seven years. It doesn't seem like it, right? Uh, it's gone by, yeah, it's gone by pretty fast. Well, that's different for you than it would be for me as a, uh, you know, as a diner. But for you as someone who's there all the time, I'm sure seven years. It might seem like seven years. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the Sappingtons, as you know, um, have a part in it um, with the country cat. It's it's the first venture that we did inside an airport, so it was it was different right off the bat, and it was a learning curve because we had we had successfully opened up places and done things. Our our career paths had led us to what you would imagine would be like an easier opening than it was, but it was it was a hard opening because seven years ago um, we didn't know what the airport had in store for us. And on day one, we found out a lot of things that were I different find, than. I, I think well, that location is superior, right? So you you pretty much you don't have to wait for people to come to you. It's the first thing they see after security. So they're either walking into your space uh, really annoyed or really happy that they got through. I've done it both ways. Yeah, I mean, we we try to treat it like a street location, um, so that it's it's a an experience that's different for the guests. Um, we, everything we do, we make it harder on ourselves. You know, we've won the best restaurant in an airport in America twice in those seven years. And oh, congratulations. That's fantastic. Yeah. Thanks. It's, um, I mean, we, we've worked hard for that and by, by doing it, we didn't, we never settled, you know, we, uh, we kind of pushed the boundaries and by pushing the boundaries, we made other people take a look at what we were doing and, you know, the, the normal, the normal how you do business in the airport changed. And I mean, we've literally had people fly from Atlanta and stuff like that in Seattle to see what we're doing because we have less freezer space in our kitchen than most people have at their house. And so like when the, the deliveries are difficult at an airport to start with. Um, and so the delivery company right off the bat was like, so where's all the freezer stuff? And we're like, we don't have freezer stuff. 
and it was that that was a new concept for them. Um, we're bringing in product. We're all finishing it, and then, um, and then we treat that throughout the whole place. You know, the, the every selection that we do is well thought out. It's thought out from you know, if I was sitting down, what would I want to be seeing around me? You know, you and I walk into places, mm-hmm. and we can tell we can tell they know what they're doing. You know, they they've got a they've got an idea of their concept, and you know, and then you adapt. You know, you adapt to what the, the environment provides you and who the guest is. But, uh, you know, our, our success is based on us, you know, bringing in fresh product and treating it like a street location. And, you know, Portland's not too big where people don't notice, you know, and they, they you know, they quit, like you said, that there's been a lot of changes at the airport. One of the big ones that hurt us was that they closed the corridor between the gates on the other side and we used to see a lot of alaska tr- credit cards before that and that that was a big compliment to us because i mean people were coming to us specifically you know um and then then traveling through the corridor to go to their gate and that that was you know just shy of i bought a plane ticket to either place that was you know that's that's the kind of biggest compliment you can get you know? well you probably had a lot of people who bought a plane ticket to come to eat in portland and you were you were there either on the way there or on the way back. So you touched a little bit on why people would travel, why other restaurants would travel across the country to check out what you're doing. Uh, you know, I'm sure in part it's because of um, serving fresh food that's that's prepared there um, from fresh ingredients. Uh, there have to be some other things that you're doing differently there that aren't being done elsewhere that people want to see. What are what are the things that have led to your winning uh, the best restaurant, best airport well, restaurant twice? Well, absolutely. I mean, our culture is um, bar none. You know, we we uh, you know we had to close down for a year during the, the pandemic, and I had to sit outside of security and give 54 people a paycheck. And collect their badges, their security badges. And without the idea of when we're going to open it back up, it could have been a week, two weeks, a month, but it was a year. And we, when we reopened, 100% of that staff that we reopened with was from that previous staff. And when you look at our staffing, you know, most of the people have been there with us from the beginning. And that's, you know, it's kind of like that cheers mentality of, uh, you know, knowing, knowing, you know, people feel uncomfortable when they walk in. And it's been, you know, the, the learning experience, you know, the, the thing about it is there's an airport culture with staffing. And we, that was one of our first big lessons is there's a, you know, there's 10,000 people that work at the airport. And a lot of them hop from restaurant to restaurant trying to find the, the one that will provide them the most money. And we kind of, you know, we, our winning formula is everybody makes money, you know, working with us. Um, and, but you also take pride in what you're doing and you feel a part of what you're doing. And the guests can feel that. And it's, it's down to all the way down to like, we might have a band come in at 6:30 in the morning, traveling out of here with their, you know, with their instruments. And I'll offer to buy them breakfast if they'll get up and sing a song for the, for the crowd. And it's the moments like that that, you know, set you apart. Hey, can I have that deal? Can I sing for a free breakfast? You bring in a, you know, it goes back to Janis Joplin. There's a place in Austin, Texas called Threadgills. Mm -hmm. And back in the 60s and 70s, and Threadgills just opened, I mean, closed because of the pandemic. But back in the 60s and 70s, they had a thing where you sing for your supper. 
And so Janis Joplin was discovered there singing for chicken fried steak. Oh, I and didn't know that. Yeah. So that's the, I mean, that's the story I share with the, you know, and you know, it's, it's up to the, the, the musician or whatever, you know, you had a, a kid that was 17 years old and was going to a violin recital and I didn't want to bring pressure on him. I said, but you, you know, he's with his family. I was like, you get up and you play a song. This is on us. Okay. Wow. So are you trying to tell me that I can't belt it out like Janis Joplin? Are you hinting that it's I, up to the I, I person think- and that you're not going to be the one? I think the jury's still out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know what the, how the jury would vote. Yeah, I have no voice whatsoever, but still, you know, singing for a meal, a lot of people would want to do it. So, um, but yes, I think you maybe need to uh, ask them to provide a picture of the marquee from the night before or the wherever they were. That would probably be a, a determining factor. You know, so Country Cat was always one of my favorite places. As a matter of fact, it is... Dining at the original country, country Cat over in Montevilla and being able to chat with Adam Sappington while I was sitting at the counter and having him, I will never forget this, having him talk to me while I was cooking. And that impressed me greatly because I can't multitask when I cook. I can't talk to anybody. But he was not only that, but I learned um, at sitting at the counter, I learned how to warm food so I didn't have to have a crescendo of everything being ready at the exact same moment there. But also I remember distinctly him handing me a little dish full of clams and said, try this. And then I thought this is a very different experience than anywhere else and now i find it well obviously they are still involved in the restaurant you know at the airport but i found it funny that they're now running a a amusing not funny uh a vegan uh restaurant in portland plant-based 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 okay all right i have to you know, I don't even know all these, all the perfect terms for everything that's going on, and I should. Because yeah, everything's need, new. You need to know everything. Yes, there's, oh, everything there's a lot to know, not only with regard to how to identify food, people, anything. So, um, Absolutely. so I'm learning that. But so they're doing plant-based. They used to, you know, Country Cat was known as the meatiest of meat places in in Portland, which was a pretty meaty place. So... Um, how are they doing now? I, I see some Facebook posts of their son, who's an incredible athlete, right? So I see them going to those games. I don't see them posting food very often these days. Yeah, I mean, um, Jackie and Adam are great human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I mean, everywhere I've associated myself with, it's I've tried to make sure that the people I'm working with have a similar vision. And fortunately, I've found that in all my my career uh well not always found it but when i find a home i find it because of that and they're just good human beings and they're good people and so country cat at the airport is a triangle of jackie and adam myself and then a financial group restaurant financial group out of california there's no restaurant in an airport that doesn't have some kind of backing and so yeah the country cat on the street location you know it was it was the lease you know that neighborhood changed um, they, they had it for 10 years and there was a time to sign a new lease. And I don't think they really were in for it for the next 10 years in that location. So they still own the copyright to it. And, um, and, you know, Adam is from Missouri 
So that's where the wholesome meat and potatoes came from. And that was his baby. And then Jackie's from LA and she's, uh, this is, you know, they, they, she took her pastry making career and helped, you know, or, you know, complimented the country cat with Jack, with Adam there. And Adam has stepped back and learned how to do plant-based food and he does it well, you know, he does it as well as anybody. And, uh, and that's because he knows, you know, he, when you work with certain people, you know, they know. And, and Jackie and Adam are kind of those people that we share values, culture, and uh, a vision together. So did you, how did you hook up with Jackie and Adam? And let's talk a little bit about your, um, you know, your previous history in restaurants and a little, sure, your journey, sure. how you got, how you got here. I don't know. So yeah, let's, let's cover you, you mentioned some yeah. previous uh, restaurant people. Let's cover those. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, the start, you know, like, like a lot of us in, uh, in this business of doing what I'm doing, um, you started in the business in your early years, and it probably wasn't what you planned to do, um, but it's what you ended up doing and applying those things you planned to do to it. What did you plan? Um, what were you planning to do? Or like ma- many of us, we had really no plans. It's kind of a no plan, but it's uh, <laughs> you know, I was I was I was in Portland, um, going to college at Portland State, um, and I got a job doing the room service for a new restaurant hotel in town called Pozzos in the Venice Plaza back in in the early nineties, and it, that kind of like got me hooked. In was that when house. Vitaly Paley was there by any chance? No, that was when Dave Machado was okay. there. Um, and, you know, I was young. I was young. And at first they hired me just to run food up to the rooms. And within months I was on the floor with a bunch of career service, you know, service industry people. But the, the, the thing about that with that experience was um, I got this job and, and uh, within the first months you know the the bulls and the blazers played in the finals and the bulls stayed there um and that's not only do the bulls stay there there's an entourage that travels with them so you know i'm young and i'm uh, i play baseball and so i'm gonna you know as an athlete and you know i was on and then right after that was the uh the first round draft pick out first time outside of new york city and so it was the year Shaquille O'Neal came out. And so that was, they all stayed there. And then there was a thing called the Dream Team. And they had to play in the Tournament of Americas. And so it was held here in Portland. So the whole Dream Team stayed at the Vintage Plaza. And I was chosen <laughs> as a young, young man. I mean, I was still a kid um, to be the liaison between the restaurant and the hotel for the Dream Team. So I had to go like, through an FBI clearance and stuff like that. And I found myself for a couple of weeks on a daily basis, you know, um, in the rooms with the, the, you know, the NBA's greatest players of all times. But the thing is, is I never, ever acknowledged who they were when I was on a one-on-one basis. And so they called me little man the whole time. The whole team did basically. You know, little man, little man. And so they, you know, I, you know, Jordan, you know, the other guy that was given the same role as me, um, he was an autograph hawk and they, they, they stayed away from him. You know, they were very cold to him. And mm-hmm. I actually watched the third inning of a Cubs Phillies game with Magic Johnson in his room because he's like, what else do you have to do right now? 
<laughs> and I was like, wow. All right. So yeah, so you know, you, you, that first brush with that, and realizing human beings are human beings, and you'll get to know somebody much better if you just treat them like you treat anybody else, and they will treat you, and you know, it'll, it's reciprocal. But in the it, same, I was going to ask: Is that something you figured out yourself, or that somebody told you, "Hey, it would be cool if you didn't, if you just treated them like they were John Doe"? I, I mean, I, I grew up playing sports, and it was a comfort level that I had in the fact that, I mean, it didn't, it, it, well, I don't think I was thinking it. I think I was just doing it. And, you know, I mean, down in the restaurant at any given time, you'd have Chevy Chase, Spike Lee, just being part of this experience. And, you know, they're outside the hotel and the restaurant, there was, you know, security and there's thousands of people trying to get an autograph at any given time and so when i was up there they would have to sign the you know the u.s basketball they'd have to sign the, the whatever they're getting you know and i i brought up bottles of bailey's clue and vodka to to their poker games and saw you know piles of money and stuff like that but when they'd sign off on it i would take and rip off the their their actual signature and take it out to the littlest kid i could find that was not going to get an autograph out of that you know and i crossed so that's just kind of the way way i treated it at that age you know kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Very cool. And, I, I assume you weren't giving them the credit card numbers. That would be a nice one. No, there was no the U.S. <laughs> basketball. The Olympic Committee was picking up everything there. But um, but in fact, um, Jordan and Barkley, um, they at the last night they had to play Brazil for the finals, and there was like a, a going away. It was a lot of going away before they went to Barcelona, and um, they asked me to wait on a group of them. Um, in the in a private room, which was a glass enclosed private room at the time, and so and it was it was a, amazing uh, people: Bill Cosby, um, Charles Barkley, um, Ahmad Rashad, and his wife Felicia. So you had Bill Cosby and his, you know, his um, sitting at the same table with his real wife, and then it was Jordan and Barkley, and there's a few others in there. And so it was when Widmer Hefferweizen was all the rage. And mm -hmm. you know, I've been on a I've been on a first name basis with these these guys for a couple of weeks going into this, and so I ended. Cosby came and he sat in the room for about an hour, and this is before we knew what meditating was. He meditated the whole time before anybody got there, and he just was in his own. And so then they all got there. They sat <laughs> yeah. down. And, you, you maybe Felicia <laughs> gave him something to get him in his zone. Maybe <laughs> possibly. I, I don't want to go into that, but uh, yeah. but interesting. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm sorry, I interrupted you. So, yeah, that's all right. And so the, the, the thing is, they, uh, I walked into the room and, you know, Pazzo's was new and it was, you know, shining at the time. And it was one of the three or four restaurants that's established Portland's dining scene that we have today. And there was a, you know, Machado was, you know, he expected you to, to do, you know, so there's a special spiel. And I walked in the room and Jordan was sitting at the head of the table right behind where I, I walked in. And, you know, there's these people sitting around this table and I started into the special spiel and I looked at Jordan, the back of his head and I saw the veins and stuff. And I, I could not tell you what County I was in. I just felt a cold streak go down my spine and, you know, there's certain people you meet along the way. And so they all, you know, they're like, well, I know what's going on. And Jordan looks back at me and goes, you okay, little man. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was like, and I luckily survived that by saying, 
because they just beaten the Blazers in the finals, the Bulls. And I was like, now I know how Clyde feels, you know, kind of thing of, you know, uh, confronting greatness. And then so, so, but then they were all drinking Widmer Hefeweizen. And then he was like, how much alcohol be in this beer? And so <laughs> it, it made the moment light and we went from there and it was, you know, but it was, it was one of those moments where I, I remember distinctively those veins in the back of his head. Yeah. Well, that's a good one. I actually saw his last game wow. in uh, Philadelphia. It was. I took the train down there. I didn't get there. That's spectrum. Yeah. But, um, you know, I would imagine there's, so as guys like that travel around the world, they deal with lots of people like you. And there probably aren't a lot that have it down in terms of, um, you know, making them not feel like you're an autographed hound. Uh, you know, I've had some experience in the rock and roll world, hanging out with some pretty big bands. And, you know, I'd bring friends and the friends that would just try to be as casual as possible were often, you know, had a great time. And the ones that were all googly eyed were generally, I was asked to escort them out of there because they made everybody uncomfortable. Absolutely. So, um, but Absolutely. on the other hand, I was going to say celebrities have to expect that and they probably appreciate it even more so when someone is is be able to keep their cool around them so um yeah i mean i'm old now and then you know relationships no, you're not are, oh i am no your <laughs> hair is a lot darker than mine so i'm not going to allow right. you to say that <laughs> but i mean uh i mean this business is about relationships you know it's it's about it's about connections and that goes back all the way down to the vendors and you know your neighbors and stuff like that and the, and the guests you know kind of thing so mm-hmm not differentiating and um yeah it does allow you access it does allow you it allows them to let their guard down you know i mean jordan when i go up in his room i um he 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 was a business you know he was a business did he have an entourage around him like you know people he had bodyguards and so he was in a suite and he would hide until he realized who I was out there and then he'd come out as soon as he, you know, he he was safe, you know, so that's a hard way to live, you know. It's a really hard way to live. And, you know, a lot of people want to be famous. I don't necessarily think that's the best way to live. I mean, you can't go anywhere. You can't walk down the street without anybody gawking and asking you stupid questions. Um, yeah, no, I would imagine. Well, I mean, all, that's pretty, know, but that's pretty. You you dealt on a very high level. You're not talking about somebody that most people had heard of, or some. You're talking about, you know, Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley, and you know, even you have to acknowledge the celebrity status of Bill Cosby, especially at that time. At that time, now, yes, right. That was right after his show, right? His TV mm-hmm. show, or right during it. I don't know, but. Um, very cool. Do you get celebrities? Let's go back and do some more of your, let's talk a little bit more about your trajectory, but just as while we're on the subject, do you get celebrities in the airport now? You must coming and going. You mentioned yeah, well, absolutely, music, absolutely. musical acts. Absolutely. I mean, comedians, um, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's something that I try to teach to the staff is you will get to know somebody much better and the, the comfort level of everybody is based on, you treating them just like anybody else. And so, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been doing this for 25 years, you know, and, you know, I, I, I go back, I ran Doug Fur for almost a, a decade. Um, and so, Which part uh, of Doug Fur? The, the whole thing? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you not only had the restaurant, you had downstairs, which was kind of a zoo, right? I, you know, I so many memories there of wanting to sit. And, uh, no sitting, being, no sitting. You know, <laughs> no, and that's probably as I got older, cause I could stand when I was younger, but I never liked venues where you had to stand the whole time. So, but Doug Fur is very cool. And I understand that just went through, um, renovations too. That I don't know if I've been over there since, but yeah, I mean, Mike Quinn, who's monkey, he's a, he's a pal of mine. He's a colleague. He owns uh, the largest, largest independent booking agency. You know, I mean, that's, that was part of, you know, part of relationships is, to this day, all, you know, Edgefield is, you know, that they book all the shows on Edgefield. So the relationships, you know, stand the test of time because Mike and I, you know, we have a great relationship. Um, you know, if you, if you go back to, you know, the Pazzo's and I was in college at Portland State, um, I, I, I was kind of floating like we both, you know, and, <laughs> and so I, I decided that I, I was, had roots in Austin, Texas. And I kind of had a, a love affair with it. So I, I packed up and went to Austin to finish college. Um, and being introduced to the money involved in waiting tables and stuff like that, you know, it, it's a great avenue um, as long as you treat it like it's supposed to be treated, you know, kind of thing. And so I, I moved to Austin um, right, I mean, the summer after the Dream Teams, you know. And um, when I got to Austin, there was a restaurant called Mezzaluna, um, and it's kind of like the uh, – it's where Austin grew up, started growing up with the food in world. And mm -hmm. as soon as I walked in there, I was like – I, I had to get a year's re residency by sitting out of school. But uh, um, I, I realized right away, this is where I want to be. And it's – it's Austin, I mean, it, Austin literally grew up with this. It was one of those restaurants where the, uh, the relationships continued, you know, from – building and so I, I waited my way through school and then when I was finished at age 20 I mean by the time I was 27 I had finished school previous but I was uh I was given the keys to Mazzalino as my first GM job at 27 years old mm -hmm. um and that's that was a you know four five, four to five million dollar operation so that and I <laughs> I look back and I was like what the hell were they thinking <laughs> you know <laughs> 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 because I mean that's where people you know came to I mean Austin is Austin drinks its weight in alcohol every weekend, you know, kind of thing. And, and Mezzaluna was one of those places where, you know, luckily we closed down at midnight um, so that, you know, but it was one of those places. And so I, I, I was there um, for 10 years uh, total and I was a GM for the last uh, four years. And then um, it, it was kind of the incarnation of the celebrity chef at this time um, and Jeff Blank who was kind of like one of the grandfathers of, uh, of being the celebrity chef. I mean, he's Aspen, you know, Aspen, he's one of the originals of the Aspen food line. He approached me to go out to this place called, uh, Lajitas. And Lajitas was in West Texas where this, uh, this multimillionaire, like, uh, was, had bought this little town on the Texas Mexico border and was trying to create a, um, a, a, place where the rich and wealthy could go and and uh get away from it all like literally it was as far removed from civilization as you could imagine and, this and it took a thing. private plane they probably had an airport oh yeah yeah there's, yeah yeah there's all kinds of you know i mean they're, they're, they're talk about yeah you know, i mean the people that were coming out there were you know 
four or five hundred and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I was re- I was recruited by Jeff to go out there and do what I you know what I do. And so it was the first time from taking Mesolunas, what I learned as far as the wine program and stuff like that was taking and incorporating that in the middle of nowhere, Texas on the Mexico border in Big Bend National Park. And, you know, I was, I was brought out to oversee that. There was an Ocotillo restaurant that Jeff and I opened up out there. Um, and that was like, I mean, it was Jeff owned Hudson's on the Bend in Austin, which is like, a staple of the Austin culinary world from that. And Jeff's, you know, Jeff's old in hell. And so he's, he's done, but, uh, he, he recruited me to go out there and, and be kind of like Jackie and Adam right now, you know, be that person that, that oversees everything while, you know, that kind of thing. And so I, we were out there for three years and it was, I mean, it was 180 miles to the closest stoplight from where we lived. Um, oh, wow. Was, I, I've been bragging for years that I'm 25, 180 is pretty good. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, it was it was three hundred and twenty miles to El Paso, and that was the closest, like oh my god, movie, movie theater and stuff like that. So, that's how, uh, that's that's a long Costco run. Yes, and you don't forget the vanilla. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> you don't forget the vanilla. And so yeah, we were out there for three years, and um, Oregon was home, and Austin was kind of in my rearview mirror at that time. And you know, when you're when we were going to start a family, and that was not the place we were going to start a family. Um, so Portland made so much sense in that capacity because that's where I grew up and came back here. And that's where Doug for, you know, became part of my, my story. Mm-hmm. And so it was there for the better half of a decade. And then, um, you know, and that was different, but everything you look at, it's something that's setting the bar for other, other institutions, you know, whether it be the music or the food, the wine, but I, I opened ecliptic brewing as well and spent uh wow you know, that, that was prior to uh prior that's, a hell to of a, that's a hell of a resume you've got there um i've been lucky i've been lucky i've been um i've been surrounded by people i've been i made good choices in the people that i choose to surround myself with yeah, but it's not always your choice, too. I mean, you have to – well, no, you make it your choice by doing excellent work and having a reputation that uh, causes people to want to hire you. So, yeah, that is how you make it your choice. Yeah, I, I, I like to think that I never really have to introduce a job. You know, it's more of a, hey, you want to do this? I'd like you to join me in this. You know, kind of thing. That's, that's mm-hmm. the best way, you know, kind of thing, because you, you start it, you know, you're not you're – not, poking at each other, trying to figure each other out. You're, you're doing the same thing right from the get-go to, to make it what you both envision. Kind of thing, so. so, and then how did you get from Dark Fur to uh, Country Cat? Well, there's Cliptic um, in, in between. And so I went to open a Cliptic, and my wife, we were starting family, and my wife was starting a new career as a respiratory therapist at Emanuel. And so she was doing the night shifts. And I would open the ecliptic and it just, our lives were just, we had a newborn and a three-year-old. And so it was, it was hectic. So I took a year off, um, just, uh, to be a stay-at-home dad for a year. And then, um, you know, Country Cat presented itself. And that's, that's where, you know, after it was time, you know, Sarah got settled into her job. She got day shifts and stuff like that. So um, did you yeah. go, did, were you at Country Cat at the street location first before you went? No. Or you were, you were hired just 
brought on, I should say, brought on just to deal with the airport, which is a big challenge for a company that had never done that before. And you had never done that either. Oh, absolutely. The airport's a completely different animal, you know, completely. And we have, we have, uh, no, everybody, like TSA does knife checks on us and we have to produce every knife we have in our inventory. Um, and nobody thinks of that kind of thing, but it makes sense, you know, kind of thing. Right. So it just adds, an, adds another layer to, uh, to the, to the game. Are those random or daily? Random. We, we do daily and then they come in randomly, just like a health department kind of thing. And then you just have to produce every knife and you can't have too little or too many. You, know, you have to have the exact same. <laughs> what happens if you don't? What? So let's yeah. say there's a missing knife, right? And you don't know. You can't know offhand where that went. What happens? There's a hefty fine. It's just a fine. It was at the. I mean, your first is a hefty, and it's hefty. I mean, the airport does not mess around with those kind of things. You know, that's another lesson we learned. You know, is the the badging and escorting and all that stuff. You know, is they, they and it, it's by design. You know, it has to be that way. Because a knife goes missing. Yeah, no, I know, but the but the challenge for you is you don't know who took it. You don't, so you just have to deal with the problem because you have to do you have to do your due diligence and hiring. But you never know. You just never know. Yeah, no, that's. I mean, that's my main job right now is to hire correctly. You know, kind of thing because I have a, a restaurant that is busy right now across the river. And I'm sitting here talking to you. That's mm-hmm. a comfort level that, you know, I, it, it, it behooves me that culture to, to have trust up and down, you know, kind of thing so that they know, you know, we've built this relationship with each other, you know, and they mustn't been there forever. So I, I can, I can leave the property and know that it's on good hands at any given time. And post pandemic, I haven't even hired any kind of support management. I've just been doing it myself because that's that works better than having you know somebody come in and have a different vision and at, usually at that level they're they seem like to want to turn over rocks and look for things bad and it's when you do that you find them you know kind mm-hmm. of thing. And, it's, and so no it's, it's it's a it's a it's a it's selfish in a way because you know working hard to do it the right way in the first place allows you to you know people say how stressful you know how that has to be stressful it's you make it as stressful as you want to make it well, yeah, you, you've you swung the bat, though, so you know you can handle a level of stress that perhaps someone like myself couldn't handle. Hey, Chris, let's pause a moment and talk about Oregon Dungeness Crab. It's a favorite dish at holiday gatherings, special occasions, or just when you're in the mood for the sweet, delicate deliciousness you can only get from Oregon's tastiest crustacean. It's harvested sustainably from Oregon's cold, clean coastal waters and is available now at your favorite seafood retailer or restaurant. Oregon Dungeness serves up equally as an appetizer or an entree and lends itself to both down-home and white tablecloth cuisine. And it's also as nutritious as it is tasty. We know it's tasty. A three-ounce portion of cooked meat has 19 grams of protein and contains important minerals and amino acids. It's low in both fat and calories as well as cholesterol and carbohydrates. That's important to me. Yeah, and rest assured, the fishermen are not just delivering a delicious and healthy product. They're also taking care of natural resources for future generations. Visit OregonDungeness.org for information on preparing your favorite crab dish and learning more about the fleet. So go ahead and crack the mystique. 
Oregon Dungeness Crab, the flavor of Oregon. You know, the restaurant business is not easy as it is, and we all know right now that people are generally more unreliable than they were pre-pandemic, oh, and, and, they're, and they're less plentiful, so uh, you've got all those things. So I'm curious, I don't know how much thinking you're doing about it right now, but it was a challenge in and of itself seven years ago to open that restaurant in an airport for you, and then this pandemic comes, that's a big challenge in dealing with it, not only the logistics of running a restaurant and not even running it for a year, um, but also uh, mentally, all that's required to not know what's going on and then think you're going to come back and what's it going to be like. So now I, we're not at the end of the pandemic either, right? We like to think we are, but we're still dealing with it. And um, I'm wondering if at some point you're going to think, well, I've done this challenge and I want to go on to the next thing. Is that something you've been thinking about at all? And, you know, we, I'm we not gonna, can... I'm not going to play my cards here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't necessarily mean, have you been thinking about it where you're making a plan? But in terms of your personal growth, do you think the day may come where you're ready for a different challenge than the ones that you... You know, there oh, may be a day where you just don't want to do this anymore. Absolutely. I mean, there, there's, you know, there's leases, there's things that'll come, you know, it's a, this isn't forever, mm -hmm. you know, kind of thing. And so just make it as good as you can while it's there. And, you know, and, you know, something will come along um, else. And, but I'm not actively thinking that. And as challenging as it's been, you know, I, I received a paycheck all through the close down of the pandemic, you know, the loyalty mm -hmm. goes up and down, you know, the, the company out of California that, that finances us invested in me to say that if you'll, you'll wait this out with us, we'll, you know, we want you to be the person that recreates it, you know, kind of thing. So, you know, there's, there's certain things that I, I, until the job's done, you know, but there will be a time to move on, you know, whether it's because the, you know, the, the lease is up and the airport's moved on, which happens, you know, kind of thing. Or, you know, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But right. I, I know I know I know that the that the people I've always associated myself with I want to keep a relationship with them post, you know, kind of thing. So no matter what, I want to make sure it's done correct. You know, anything any kind of movement is done correctly. And we're not in a place where I can move on right now because as I said, I haven't even hired an assistant. Yeah, okay. Right, right. Well, I find it interesting that you don't have an assistant and you are sitting here doing this podcast and who knows what's going on at the restaurant right now, but you know, because you have some good people in place, but the customers are the trump card there because you just never know what, you know. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's, that's another high stress you know, situation. Well, you know, I mean, the post pandemic has been, you know, face the challenge, but you know, we look, we look at as we expect out of anyone what we expect out of everyone. And so if you're going to bring in some kind of agenda, you know, whether it be entitlements, you know, or, you know, we, 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 what we provide, we're, you're going to walk out of there feeling like, holy cow, I just experienced this in an airport. And, you know, every once in a while somebody comes along and says, oh, this is how it's going to be. And it's like, no, you, this isn't the place for you. You know, mm -hmm. even during the, the, you know, during the mass mandate, it wasn't, it, we, we weren't going to allow you to dictate the terms. That's mm -hmm. the, if you're, if you, 
everybody's expected to wear one. You're not special, you know, and mm-hmm. then people start thinking they're special. They can take it somewhere else. You know, they really can. It's, it's not worth the time and it's not worth, you know, I don't want pandering. I don't want any of my staff pandering to somebody that's going to see them differently and mm-hmm. come in and expect them, you know, and sometimes it's a lesson for them, you know, to put a, you know, put a mirror in front of them and say, you know what, you, you know, you're, you're entitled, you think you're entitled, you have no reason, you know, you're just sit right. back and relax. Well, yeah. we're all in this together too, man. Yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> you like to think anyway. So for those, it's probably a little late, but um, okay. for those uninitiated, talk a little bit um, about the country cat and what makes it so special. I could do that, but I think coming from you would probably be better. I think it'd be better coming from you. Well, that's, yeah, <laughs> either way, but you know, I think it, I honestly, I think it goes back to Adam's roots, right? So when you're in the, what appealed to me when I first learned about the country cat was food that I really had never had before and prepared in such a way, you know, it's real homey. Um, I like to think, and it's just delicious. And I'm, I assume that recipes really haven't changed from the day that you opened seven years ago, unless you have something new, but generally speaking, you know, you, I, when I think of the uh, restaurant in the airport, I'm usually traveling early and it's an incredible breakfast. It is a great way to start your trip. Um, and then I also have this vision of, you know, I had to cut orange juice out of my out of my diet a little bit and just fresh orange juice with the bacon and the eggs and everything. It's just, it's just like the perfect preparation. This is like not a diner. It's a step up from a diner. It's absolutely delicious. I don't know if that was a good description at all. Cause I haven't been there in a while, right? I haven't been fly- flying for a while, but um, yeah. And then, you know, I used to get the jerky at the, at the country cat. I mean, I always told everybody go there, eat this, this and that. And, uh, you know, the trout was always incredible, but I don't know if you have that at the airport. I doubt it. Um, but, uh, but get, uh, a bunch, get 20 bucks worth of jerky and take it home. I always thought that was a, a great opportunity to have something that you normally, you know, wouldn't get in a restaurant. So, I don't know if that was I didn't I didn't congeal that into a paragraph. I thought maybe perfect. you could. <laughs> it was perfect. No, was the elevator huge, speech? <laughs> no, it's a, I mean that's a huge compliment. That's I appreciate that because that's what we strive to do. We just you know we just we we open every day and we just want everybody that comes in to to set the bar differently and to have the experience that when you walk out of there you just really feel like you just experience something that was not the norm and that's all the way down to you know the details and you know that's the the bar program that's the the market grab and go section everything we we think of we try to we try to do it the correct way and we'll we'll take painstaking efforts in order to make sure it's right to start with and then we'll learn and adapt you know you spoke about the country cats menu we've had to adapt into more of a um, sandwich kind of place um, post pandemic because everything's changed, you know, kind of thing. And so we look at, you know, if you, if you tell people how it's going to be, they're going to tell you, you know, the, you're not going to like what they tell you, you know, kind of thing. So mm-hmm. you have to adapt, you have to adapt and look at your environment you have to, but you also do your due diligence going into it. And, and you know, we have a, a zero proof program, 
that I, I could say probably is unlike any in, in any airport in the, you know in the United States. And we we meticulously chose everything correctly so that when it hit the menu, it represented you know kind of thing. And when people eyeball it, they're like, "Holy cow!" You know. So we're paying attention to those things. You know, the the tap selection. It's you know it's short. It's seven seven beers, but. It's seven beers that anybody that knows beer would walk in and go, wow, that's well thought out. You know, my mm-hmm. program, same thing. You know, and then we also, we, we also have deep relationships that we've built so that, you know, when, when the allocated bourbons come out, we were part of that. And that's, that's not heard of in airports, you know, kind of thing. We have, we have a top shelf that is full of, oh, we're going to get one bottle of this this year. And we're going to get two bottles of that this year. You know, and that's not, that's not an airport mentality. So we just kind of, you know, it's it's fortunate because Jackie Adam and myself have built these relationships. We've worked hard for this and the payoff is, you know, these relationships pay off for, for us and them, you know, kind of thing. You want, you want to be part of our wall. You want your product to be, uh, you know, that's what we want. You know, we want, we want to, when people look around our place and look at the selections, we want people to think, wow, you know, and then we want the vendor to you know, be, proud of that the current you know then we want them to use it as a selling point to somebody else you know hey i've got my product at country cat you know same thing with doug Burr. you know you, you know same thing anywhere you know i'm involved and i i think when you moved in there seven years ago i'm not an expert on this but there weren't a lot of there wasn't a plethora anywhere in the country and i travel a little bit or in the world of excellent restaurants in airports so you know there was there weren't operators who were like you all seven years ago and now there are I'm, i mean my yeah. god the yeah. the yeah, the whole absolutely. the whole world of airport dining has changed i know absolutely. my cousin has a, a deal in san francisco with his bacon bacon i don't know if you've ever been down there but um but even in portland and uh, of course with the expanded you know the new terminal um i've read i haven't been around but there are going to be a lot more so i don't know if you actually set the pace right off the bat but the bar was pretty low when you moved in and when you're excellent then you and you not only just go right above the bar you go you set the new bar way up there you know to michael jordan territory to use an analogy um I would, I think that is, you know, I will add that to what I said before. The bar is really, is really up there and it's a great, it's, it's, it's cool to go there and jump over that bar and watch you guys jump over the bar too. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I mean, yes, airport dining has um, evolved greatly and yes, we were on the forefront of that and people, and you know, I, I, I'm, I'm confident that nobody's doing it to the extent we're doing it with freezer space and stuff like that. And also we're very lucky because I said, as I said, there's a financial backing group out of a restaurant group out of California. I haven't seen them in person in three, four, three years, you know, Mm. in person. And, you know, we do zoom meetings and stuff like that. But, uh, the, we're very fortunate. That's our group that we, we associate ourselves with because that's not the norm in airports they allowed us to do what we're doing. And once we started winning the awards, they were like, well, this is building their portfolio. They saw that they saw where they you know, it, it helped them. So mm-hmm. we, we're not run, um, a lot of places and I don't want to bat, you know, bad talk. 
are the names on the front of the restaurant are not who, what you get when you go inside, once you walk inside. And there's certain people that are still dedicated to, to that and you can see them and, you know, you, my, my, the only thing is that with the, with the escalation, cause yes, there's some great restaurants going into airports and people doing it correctly, but there's also a huge contingency of two or three monopoly companies out there that own 80% of the restaurants in airports across the country. And they just want that name on the board, you know, the, mm-hmm. the marquee. and that's, that's it. You know. And we're lucky because Andaway, who owns us, that that was you know maybe they learned they adapted with it because maybe that wasn't their original vision, but they saw what we were doing and allowed us to do it. Well, I also think uh, the city of Portland and the state of Oregon owe you um, owe you a lot because that is uh, you know a lot of people that's their last impression of the area when they leave, right? And so you're also dealing with customers a lot of customers who are going to be loyal who are portlanders who are traveling but then you've got a huge contingency of people who are never going probably never going to be back so but that's their last impression of portland and it may be their first i don't think a lot of people go eat when they get off a plane they're usually on their way to somewhere no but we see more than the norm does just because of that right exactly so um but it's you know it's key that uh, I think for the tourism business that you guys continue to operate and operate well. I think it would be a um, it's a great boon to uh, to the city and the state that that is you know you're the welcome mat. So uh, and and the goodbye mat. The welcome mat is also a goodbye mat. People have to walk on it when they leave. So um, I think that's really cool. Let's touch. We're running out of time here. I wanted to touch a little bit on some of the uh, just get some of your ideas on uh, where you like to eat. And uh, if you got a few that people may not have on the top of their list, that would be cool. I, I probably don't have any hidden jewels because <laughs> the, 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 actually the choices have become limited, more limited, but I am a big fan of a, f- a few places and they're the ones that you would kind of expect because, you know, Ian nailed it. Aim, aim just as soon as I walked into that place, because you know when you're in the business for so many years and you you do things, you can walk into a place and one the energy of the place. That's another thing about Country Cat is we the energy. You know, you walk by it, you get sucked in, and you don't know why. Mm-hmm. Well, aim, aim has nailed it in all capacities. You know, um, the only the only thing I saw that I would say what's that about it's because they they acquired a building that had a big kitchen to start with because i think the kitchen might be a little too big for the but that's you know that's that's your infrastructure you, do, you know you, you you got you know when you, you decide to lease um I, I like hot guy so those are the when people come to town yeah. those are the two places i take them I and those are those are typical but they're they're the both places are just nailing it on what they're well, doing they may they're typical for portland i guess they're typical names that people would throw out there but they're not typical right. restaurants mm. uh you know when you get someone coming in from yeah. out of town they're yeah. really special earl ninsome who's a, a friend of mine i'm glad to call him a friend and has been on the podcast uh we need to have him on again i keep thinking it's been too long but yeah with he knows what he's doing yeah he, knows he really doing. knows what he's doing and he did you know, he started small and he started at some other places and then kind of built it. And, uh, man, what he's built is incredible. I haven't been to, you know, the old Atala space where he's got two restaurants now, where he's got mm. Long Bon. And I, I never even know how to pronounce 
Uh, be careful. Be yeah, careful. Exactly. So, <laughs> you know, but, um, so fuck Vancouver. it. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I moved, I moved over to this Vancouver condo, um, at the end of last year and Raleigh pizza up here in Vancouver is stellar. Mm-hmm. And it's an, it's, 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 uh, alumni, um, from another pizza location. And that's a couple just kind of like Jackie and Adam, but, Rally Pizza in Vancouver is great. I've been yeah. there. I can claim that I've been there. Any other in Vancouver? We just had our friend Wendy Bumgardner on. Who, oh, if anybody's yeah. listening to this and wants to uh, wants to listen to her Vancouver recommendations, they're great. I don't know if you have any on top of that places you just jump out to without having to go very far. Well, Little Kenya hosts uh, the the taco place downtown is mm-hmm. really really. It's another place that I walk into and I'm like. Nailed it, you know, kind of thing. And they and they're consistent. They're good, and you know, you, you feel like you want to go there, kind of. Mm-hmm. Thing, you know? All right. Yeah. So also, I you know, this is I, I assume this is you couldn't ask this question where I came from in Connecticut, but I can ask you because it's Portland and everybody's supposed to do this. Are there any other restaurants in the airport that you think maybe aren't near yours that are in another terminal that you think are doing? a pretty good job that you want to mention or no, you don't have to. <laughs> um, they're all, you know, they're all my neighbors and it's about the community and they're all, you know, <laughs> we're, we're all, we're all in it together. And, you know, I don't, yeah, I'll go, I'll go um, down the hall and grab a lunch somewhere, somewhere else. And not only just to check out what they're doing, but to, because I, I want to, you know, I want to eat. That's the nice thing about the Portland airport is it's, it's like this little city and there's options. You know, there's options and those are good options, you know, kind of thing. So, well, um, I probably have that. That's thanks to you who's, who got it going. I think I know there are others that I, yeah. I'm not aware of or I'm not thinking of, but, um, yeah, Country Cat was, I mean, when I think of going to PDX, I say to people, hey, we get to go to Country Cat now. That's one of traveling to, generally sucks. And that's one of the positives is, well, before we even have to deal with an airport internationally, at least we're going to step foot into Country Cat. So, Hey, Chris, we are pausing just a moment to talk about one of our favorite places to eat, Ringside Steakhouse. Hey, Court, I know you love the hats, and I kind of do too. I always have a hat on. Mm-hmm. For the first time in Ringside's 79-year history, you can get a hat, t-shirt, even an apron for your favorite Ringside fan. Those are available in person on West Burnside. Go to when you, while you're eating, ask for them, or just stop in after what four thirty, I guess. Yeah, this is really exciting for me, Chris. We were talking about this off air, and when you told me this news, I got really excited because uh, a few years ago, I noticed somebody back of house at Ringside wearing a really cool Ringside T-shirt, and I thought. I would like one of those, but you know, it's ringside steakhouse. You wouldn't necessarily think to go there and buy a t-shirt. Now you can first time in 79 years. This is exciting. This should, this should be headline in the New York times. Mm hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So take advantage of that. Also take advantage of the three course prime rib dinner that takes place on Mondays. You you've done this. Oh yes. And it used to be Wednesday. So be aware because I had a friend join me for dinner once and she was expecting Wednesday night prime rib not happening. So yeah. um, But they do have it available outside of the special on weekends as well. So you can get prime rib with their unbelievable Yorkshire pudding. Um, 
on those nights, but the special is Monday night. That's the night to do it. I was there last night. Wednesday night, it was packed. So, um, but I wasn't packed to the point where you couldn't walk around in the uh, the hostess host section. But it was is nicely packed, and of course, we had an incredible, including a, a meal, including the wagyu, which anybody has to do once at least in their lifetime or more once you do it once you want to do it more and i have uh, don't forget right now because it is dungeness crab season you right now on the menu in the in the appetizer section the chili lime dungeness crab cake so get that while you can or the crab cocktail was unbelievable so i suggest anybody there if they're if you're going with the table get the crab cocktail and the prawn cocktail and have a start your meal off the right way, including onion rings, of course. Oh, yeah. Got to do that. Got to do that, too. So also, one quick thing, because we've been talking a little bit here. Halibut season starts May 10th, and Ringside will have that on the menu made Chef Jonathan Gill's way after that. So mark that on your calendar and make a reservation. You can do it at ringsidesteakhouse.com or on the Open Table app. Are we to talk baseball? Yeah, we got a few minutes to talk baseball, those who are still with us. Um, so you're a Mariners fan. You just made some deals, right? And you got a shot, as far as I know, at a playoff spot, right? How far out are you from the wild card? Uh, I mean, they're directly in the wild card hunt. Um, but they're, they're, you know, they're making deals that are making them better, but they're also losing players at a rapid rate for when they need them the most, you know, they just, they just did six games with the Astros, seven games with the Astros and went one and six against them. Yeah. Well, they did have a a nice winning streak before that, but I must ask you as a Met fan, how's that, how's that Cano Edwin Diaz uh, deal working out now? Well, he hasn't pitched yet. Uh, no, so, no, Dia, Edwin Diaz, the guy oh, who traded two oh, Mets. Oh, well, that's every baseball. Every I'm, I'm thinking of the kid they got from uh, Cincinnati. No. Oh no, I, I mean, yeah, that's typical of any organization you love. You just watch them do something so stupid, and then you're like, that could have been our guy. You know, I mean, it's like yeah, Jordan getting, the first year, all Met fans thought that was the worst deal ever, and now everybody's all in on it. And and now watching Robbie Cano you know, just get released from his third team this year. Um, yeah. It's, it's a good deal. I'm trying to, Oh, uh, Kellenick is the guy that you guys got who really didn't pan out. So yes, the Mets got the best of that deal by far. Cause Diaz oh, is just far. like killer. Have you watched any of the, um, the trumpet videos when he comes in, when he's pitching? I've yeah. not seen it. I, uh, I'll definitely, there's one that was from the other day when he came in pitching against the Yankees that literally I watched 20 times. It was so cool. Oh, that, and I didn't know because they always go to commercial break. So I didn't know they had this trumpet music whenever Edwin Diaz comes in. But we were talking about you and the Mariners, so I'm sorry. It's hard no, as a Met fan not to bring that up. No, um, I, think the, I think the greatest thing, I, uh, baseball, you know, I grew up playing baseball. And, uh, and I, love, I love sitting in a ballpark. And it doesn't matter where that ballpark is because it's just, it's glorious. Mm-hmm. And last summer coming out of COVID, my, I have a 11 year old son 
and he's a great kid and we, we have great times together but you know before covid he blazer games could keep him occupied for long enough with the action and then coming out of covid we went up for our first baseball trip as him being somebody that could actually watch a game instead of just you know trying right. to, to keep him occupied or get and, you out of there in the sixth inning because right, I right. oh, that's yeah. when my kids were little, we got six innings and that was it. We yeah, that, that, that could be lucky. But the last summer we went up for a series, we took the train up and uh, it was at the time where COVID you were making reservations, you know, for things. And so we went to a Saturday night game, took the train up and then Sunday we we're going to the aquarium and found out that the aquarium, you had to make reservations three months ago to go to. And so I was um, asking Lucas, like, okay, so we can't do that. Really, what do you want to do today? And he's like, can we go back to the ballpark? Nice. And I was like, hell yes. And so, so him and I, you know, it's been a great, great father-son relationship in that capacity because I've been able to share baseball with him and he enjoys it. So we go, we'll go up to Seattle. We'll either drive or take the train, stay in one of the hotels that's, you know, park the car for the weekend and stay across the street where, you know, kind of thing. And it's just, it's, it's really great. And so now, um, Go, Boston trip was planned based around a music uh, festival that's on um, on Martha's Vineyard, and it's like mm-hmm. a stupid good lineup, and mm-hmm. it's super exclusive, you know, kind of thing. But something I've been eyeballing. So did you did you it. call in some favors to get tickets to that? No, and I actually was I I no, and I I I went the path. And I, I'm glad I did because, you know, I mean, that's part of the, the relationship building and stuff like that is, you know, I'll go to a couple shows at, at Edgefield, um, you know, every year and it's, I'm treated really well. And and you, but things. you don't but, want to take advantage of that. Too yeah, exactly. Much, so. And, you know, and I've been on the other side of it where, you know, um, for, you know, where you, you see the certain same person, you know, asking for favors a lot, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah. So no, I, I didn't, I didn't, I got tickets to this festival and it's Wilco's headlining with, uh, Oh, nice. Oh yeah. They're, they're one of three back is headlining. And oh. it's the, yeah. All bands that I know. It's so nice now <laughs> to hear that. Cause but the uh, lineup goes deep and it goes uh, deep, like great. And you're paying for it, you know, kind of thing. You're paying the, the ticket price being on that, you know, it's the size of edge. What's, so, what's the ticket price for that? I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, in the lodging, I mean, you're staying yeah, on the yeah. cape, you know, you're staying out there. It's, 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 well, it's, it's, an expensive, it's an expensive thing, but it's a once, you know, we haven't done anything since pre COVID as far as like a Hawaii vacation. Right. That's like how that. I justify a lot. We didn't do anything yeah. for a long time. Yeah, exactly. So, so then, you know, Hey, there's a baseball stadium called Fenway that's there, you know? And so we're making the trip, you know, four days in Boston and four days on the Island. You know, kind of thing. So, and then, I was going to mention, you know, you say your son is 11. This is a big thing in my life. Um, there is a brick at City Field that commemorates my mother and me going to game oh. five of oh. the 1969 World Series. Um, so I was there with my mom when the Mason Mets, when Jerry Kuzman, you know, was pitching. And um, it, I just have chills through myself, through my body right now, just even talking about that's, it. I was oh, that's 11. spectacular. Yeah, so I was 11, and I lived in New York City, and we had season tickets to the Jets. We were Mets fans. We were Knicks fans. We were Rangers fans. Three out of the four won a championship within a one-year period when I was 11 years old. That is crazy. And generally speaking, 
you know, I'm not a Yankee fan, but generally speaking, it's been a pretty dry rest of my life with those teams. Uh, I'm only left with the Mets. I could, I could care less about football. I wouldn't be able to name one player on the Jets. But there's that. And then the other thing, quickly, I'll mention is that I live out here now because I took two trips with my sons, two entire summers across the country, uh, doing all Major League Baseball parks. And so we did, except for the ones in Boston and New York, we'd already done, and Baltimore, we'd already done that. But everything else we did in 02 and 03, it's now 20 years ago. And, um, you know, I was just sitting here. I'm here with my last, last night with my son who was, I think, 11 then. He's 30. We were watching, uh, Scherzer pitch last night together. So it's a, you know, it's a bonding thing and probably more so than food. That <laughs> <Not> baseball. <laughs> well, but we did, also, we did hot dog, away too. Yeah, yeah, we did hot dog ratings at every ballpark and I'm sure yeah. things have changed since then. I'll tell you the, the best I remember was in Milwaukee, and I think Colorado had excellent dogs, too, although Colorado had shitty fans who didn't understand the game, who would boo when their pitcher intentionally walked the batter. <laughs> and, uh, um, but the worst hot dogs were Dodger dogs. Absolutely. I, I agree. Hands down. I agree. I agree 100%. <laughs> I was, I, I'm glad you said it. <laughs> well, I agree. I, I'm not worried about getting, well, maybe I should worry about a lawsuit, but that was then that was 20 years no. ago. No, uh, absolutely. No, I'm glad you said, cause I would have said, you know, um, but I hope someday that I get to say that same exact thing that I did a cross country trip, because that would be, you know, going to Fenway on a trip is, is one thing, but dedicating a trip. And then that's the nice thing about going on a trip like that is you get experience the other things that cities have to offer too. You know, you don't just, oh. Yeah, and you really get a feel for um, the city just by the the vending and the people. So you go to St. Louis, everybody's got red on and their hair is parted on the side, neatly combed, which is a lot different than Philadelphia. So um, it it was a great thing to do. I don't know how you're going to do it with your job at the Country Cat, but maybe it's around time because your son is that age where it's a really good time to do it. And I, I, you know, it's different now. Gas was a, a dollar 75 a gallon. Then we didn't even, I didn't even have food in the budget. I had hotels and the hotels, what we did, just if you ever want to follow this plan, it worked out really well. It's different now, but I made reservations at choice hotels around the country every night. So we had, you know, we, and we didn't only do ballparks cause it was 50 nights. The night before, when I was in the city before, I would go on and go to Priceline and try to get really nice Westons and Hyatts for 75 bucks a night. I put in what I thought was reasonable. We didn't stay at one choice hotel. Every one of my Priceline things hooked, and we stayed in these beautiful hotels um, for not a lot of money. So that's why uh, the other reason I was able to afford to do it. And I had a buddy at Comcast Sportsnet in uh, Baltimore, who hooked me up with really good tickets around the country. I called in that one favor, and it meant you know tickets. All oh hell yeah, trip. hell yeah. That, no, that's, yeah! that was pretty. You don't cool. you don't take a you don't take a trip like that without uh, you know trying to figure out the best way to do do it. And that's when you got yeah you build relationships. Well, also now the tickets would be insane. So twenty years oh. ago, the highest price ticket might have been seventy five. Hundred, but it wasn't even. Yeah, now forget it. So it's a whole whole different ball game. One other thing in that regard, talking about food and baseball. One, it was twenty years ago or so when I went to the. It was at Shea Stadium. Went to get hot dogs and popcorn and 
sodas for my kids and me. And I did a calculation while I was online. If Mike Piazza then, based on his salary, would have sent the, spent the same percentage of his salary as I spent of mine on that meal at the, at the, soup, at the stand, he would have spent $38,000 to get a few <laughs> hot dogs and a couple of drinks. <laughs> and now that would be $380,000 based yeah, on what they're right. making today. So it's right. nuts. I'm not, listen, my income hasn't gone up that, you know, commensurately with baseball incomes. But so do you think you're going to be in the playoffs? You think the Mariners have a sh- good shot? I hope so because they, they deserve. The, they they they've got a great team. It's just keeping them healthy at the right time. They they had two major injuries. They need a week. World Series win. They have oh, to do God. it. I was just oh, watching yeah. that. Have you watched? Uh, I just happened to be watching the the captain, the Derek Jeter thing the other day, and oh my God, it was heartbreaking for the the Mariners uh, back then and the Yankees. Oh, yeah. who the Mariners beat, but didn't get much further. So I mean, uh, if you're a Blazer fan, if you're a you know, it's part of the part of the you know, the, the long droughts and stuff. Well, yeah, that too. But, you know, one thing, I, I joined these Mets Facebook groups and got out of them because everybody's complaining based on every pitch, every game. And Absolutely. that's not what baseball's yeah. all about, man. It's a marathon. And yeah. listen, the bottom line is you talk about the Blazers, you talk about any any professional sports, only about 3% of fans get to be happy at the end of the year. Right, only three percent. Right, right. The rest are all dealt with some major disappointment along the way, and but uh, you enjoy the moments that lead up to that. You know, I don't think it's all about championships. It's all about the time you spend just enjoying the the game. I particularly enjoy your Mariners announcers are pretty good, but I particularly enjoy my Mets guys are awesome. As a matter of fact, Gary Cohen, who's the uh, play-by-play mm-hmm. guy, he and I were born on the exact same day. I have connected oh. with his wife, but can't get through to him. And I don't want to be a groupie, but dude, I, listen, I got all these Met stories and we were born on the same day. Come on. Uh, he's, he hasn't responded yet, but I love Keith Hernandez too. Listening to Keith Hernandez is awesome. So that's the enjoyment for me is listening to the game. When the game's on ESPN, I'm less interested, believe it or not. It's even, well, tonight. Uh, you know, we have DeGrom going. So again, so that's going to be a big one. We're going to watch that. So, um, anything else? What should we impart to people, um, cut to find country cat? It's just country cat PDX or is it just country cat um, on, on the web? Uh, Not that I don't know PDX. if people need it. Yeah. It's country cat PDX. And then are you still on it? You got to be on Instagram, right? Country Instagram. Cat. Yeah. 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 Good. It's, what are, it's a little different ball game when you're buying security at, at an airport. You have no advertisement budget, you know, right. Because, uh, the airport's delivering them, you know? So, so that's another part of it is like, that's why our reputation is so important because we, you know, they deliver, they deliver the people through the, through the styles and you know, the you know, turnstiles and we, 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 we produce. You know. Yeah. Speaking of that, you just, you just caused me to think you got a lot of travelers. I need to enlist you to help me uh, sell my trips uh, on Port- from Portland food. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You're the guy. I haven't even thought about that. <laughs> so listen, on that note, um, I really appreciate you taking the time, Brian. This was great. Um, and I hope there's that little hiss Brian can get rid of, but I'll tell you what, if that hiss stays throughout the, throughout the podcast, it's worth it because I really enjoyed this interview. I didn't, you and I didn't know each other. Well, you were yeah. kind, you've always been kind or 
there was one time Jose and I were leaving to Barcelona, Jose Chessa, and you were so gracious and made us feel so special. And I was just saying to Jose, that set the tone. This is going to be a great trip because we had a great experience at the country gut. I really appreciate that. I don't, you know, I don't know you very well other than to see some of the things you post on Facebook and comment on, but this was a real treat spending uh, over an hour with you um, on a Tuesday morning uh, when you probably want to get off and get to work. Perhaps. I don't know if you're going today. I'll, I'll go. In. Yeah. Okay. I've already, I've already been in. I've already been in once. What time do you go in in the morning generally? Uh, I mean, we open at four in the morning. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm not there at four in the morning. Yeah. Uh, Maybe in the beginning depends. you were, but not now. Oh, yeah. Obviously, yes. That that that's part of it was the opening up places, not realizing what four in the morning looked like. You know? Right. <laughs> So. And you had to, and that's getting there for, you have to get up a right. little earlier to get there. Right. So, well, listen, right. thanks for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. And I will look forward to seeing you soon. Perhaps I'm going to be in the airport in uh, September. So that'd be great. That'd be great. We'll, we'll look for you. All right, man. Thanks so much. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right